Congratulations, you beat odds of approximately 280 million to one and earned the chance of a lifetime. Hi, this is Ray Edwards from RayEdwards.com and when I want to have an impact, I know there's one guy I can turn to who will inspire me to do that very thing. And you're listening to his show right now, Ken MacArthur. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Ken MacArthur's The Impact Factor Podcast, which means you are prepared to ignite. Your success started with a massive explosion of about 280 million sperm, of which only a tiny fraction made it as far as your mother's uterus. Even fewer followed all the way to the oviducts, and the number of sperms successfully arriving at the egg was very, very small. Once there, you found the egg covered by a thick layer of cells called the corona radiata, which acts as a blockade. Now, sperm cells contain enzymes that break this barrier down, but it required an assault of many sperm to let you get through to the egg. So on your very first day of existence, you ran a marathon, through a maze filled with mucus, after which you had to break into a fortress. You, my friend, are the champion of Mother Nature's triathlon. Here's the truth for the rest of your life. You matter because just by existing, you impact the world every day. So consider the powerful force of the choices you make. So starts out the Impact Manifesto a manifesto that I wrote for a project created by Seth Godin called Change This, in which Seth wanted to change a bit of the world by putting out thought leaders' expressions of how the world should change. So I worked really hard on this. I actually went to Seth and talked to him about how I could make this the most impactful document that I possibly could. Do you have any stories that can really illustrate what a difference small actions make? Well, first, I want to congratulate you for doing this hard work. I think it's important, and I'm glad someone's doing it, and uh, I'm glad that you've chosen to invest your, your time on spec here to make something happen. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. Six years ago, I was flying uh, on United from uh, Springfield to Chicago. And the person in front of me in line checking in for the flight said to the person at the ticket counter, uh, I need to check in for my flight to Chicago. Uh, I'm flying first class and uh, blah, blah, blah. And this person was probably 70 years old. It was a woman and she was with her son. And uh, the person behind the counter said, uh, thanks very much, but, uh, you know, this is a small plane and uh, you're in seat uh, seven. And the woman started freaking, jumping up and down, basically yelling, I have to fly first class. I've got claustrophobia. Uh, This is impossible. That's not what they told me when I booked the ticket. And the woman behind the counter said, I understand. I'm sorry if they didn't give you the the right advice, but this is a a commuter plane. And the woman is just vibrating with anxiety. And the woman behind the counter said, don't worry, ma'am, all the seats on this plane are first class. (laughs) And he said it with kindness and authority, and the woman instantly calmed down. Yeah. And the rest of her trip was saved, because it's true, all the seats were the same, and if you want to call them first class, they were first class. That's right. 
right? The second story I'll tell you uh, is about, uh, occurred at a place where a lot of important things happened for me, which is a summer camp up in Canada called Arawan, A-R-O-W-H-O-N. Mm. And uh, this was in some work I was doing with a 12-year-old girl. Uh, and what I did for a living up there was I taught canoeing. And uh, a canoe is a 17-foot-long wooden vehicle, much bigger than any uh, teen has ever piloted in their life. And the idea that you can get in it by yourself, tilt it way over to the side and paddle it like a, a Native American in circles and do really cool things in it is pretty amazing. And the interaction that I had with, with this girl who was uh, angry all the time and impatient and had a temper and wasn't good at interacting with the world when the world didn't line up the way she wanted it to was uh, I spent half an hour with her helping her think about her posture and her breathing and the way that she was interacting with the physical world around her. Mm. And it was the first time that anyone had ever apparently spent that much time one-on-one telling her she was doing something right. Yeah. And the, the act of just taking a little bit of extra time to give her the confidence to maneuver through the world ended up changing uh, not just her physical posture, but her interactions with the rest of the world forever. I mean, that was the last time she ever fought with anybody, never, last time she ever punched anyone in the face. Yeah. And I think about that interaction often because it would have been very easy for me to just say, well, I got you know 180 other people I need to work with. But something in that moment told me that a little bit extra time on my part might have a big impact for her. Yeah, isn't isn't that incredible? Because that's that's what we found over and over again. Is is it, it is those moments that really change life. And so many times, you know, people don't even know that that they had that impact. Well, and I think that's a key part of it. Is at least for me, I'd often, I'd most of the time, would rather not know. Yeah. If you're doing it to have an impact, you're going to burn out. Yeah. Because you put in all this effort, and even if it works 35% of the time, that means two-thirds of the time it doesn't. <laughs> and so you're getting all this feedback that it's not working. There yeah. are very few things that we're happy to do that fail two-thirds of the time. I mean, if, think about it, if you went to take a shower and two-thirds of the time the water didn't come out or whatever. Right. So I'd rather be generous for generosity's sake, not because I'm doing someone a favor, not because I'm looking for a response. And that's one of the things you learn from writing a blog is you put it out there in the world and you have no idea what it did for someone. And sometimes you hear a year later, oh, yeah, because I, you wrote this, I did that. Um, but that's not why you do it. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I had a speaker at one of my events that, that was sitting there talking about this, these concepts with me, and I was telling her the stuff I was doing. And she said, well, I, I quit talking about Internet marketing because – of the fact that it, it, I just didn't feel like it was making a difference. And within two seconds, a, a young woman uh, came up to her and said, I have to tell you that you changed my life 10 years ago because of the fact that you were out there doing this stuff. And <laughs> it, was just, it was just incredible because it was just within seconds. Sure. And, and um, that, that's pretty amazing. Love that. Well, anyway, I hope those two stories help. They're sort of at two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, that was that was perfect. That was perfect, as as I should know. And thank you for that. And 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 here's a gift for you. Um, 
you, you've impacted my life, and I'll um, keep taking small actions to make sure your impact on me spreads beyond my life. So. Perfect. I love that. Thank you very much. Thanks. Good luck with the book. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And I submitted my publication to change this. And luckily it was accepted to become one of the manifestos that was included in this project. Imagine this. It's a cold morning in Cambridge where Jack Stamford is driving his dented blue 1997 Oldsmobile Cutlass, feeling as bruised as the bumper of his aging car. His father tried to make a man out of him by administering regular beatings, forcing him to have sex at the age of 12, and berating him at every opportunity. It only served to make Jack quiet, desperate for attention, and lost in a world of fantasy. Today, Jack gets up deep in a world filled with a feeling of emptiness, searching for someone to make his life more full. His eyes scan the sidewalks for attractive women as he drives aimlessly around the Harvard campus, a world that he can't even imagine entering. Stan Siegel will be a chemist someday, but today he's up at 5 a.m. spreading rock salt. He works for the maintenance department part-time on a work-study scholarship, and the sidewalks are covered in ice. Daniela Frank studies French. She makes the choice to wear a red beret. She knows that the French word beret is based on a sort of flat woolen cap worn by the local peasants. She decides to wear the cap not because of its origins, but because it matches her gloves and the temperature is 19 degrees Fahrenheit as she leaves her room to walk to class. Francesca Francis is a genetic rock star, the ultimate combination of brains and body packaged in a frantic energy with a drive to always be better than anyone in the room. Frantic this morning means a driving need for coffee to kickstart the day. But because she has last-minute thoughts about the paper she's presenting at 10 a.m. to the research funding committee, she can't really make the usual five-minute stop at Starbucks without messing up her always flawless arrival. Wow, four characters in less than two minutes. Lots and lots of detail. But do you remember those characters? Do you know what their names are? Could you describe them to me? Such is the power and the difficulty of creating a short film. So much information in such a little time. And there's a lot more to the story. In an instant, Francesca decides to risk it and is now officially five minutes behind. With ten minutes left in her drive and the accelerator moves closer to the floorboard. If Stan hadn't been up most of the night trying to impress three of his friends with his drinking abilities, he might have made the choice to pick up the bag of calcium chloride instead of rock salt, because stored away somewhere in his impressive memory is the fact that while both are effective at ice melting, sodium chloride only melts ice when the temperature is above 20 degrees, while calcium chloride will melt ice in temperatures down to minus 25 degrees. 
Francesca decided to forget the coffee, she would have arrived at the corner of Hollyoke and Massachusetts Avenue five minutes earlier and likely would have been traveling a more careful 35 miles per hour instead of 45 miles per hour, which would have decreased her skid distance on ice from 451.6 feet to a slightly more manageable 273.19 feet. If Jack's father hadn't tried so hard to make him a man, he might not have been scanning the sidewalk looking for attractive women. If Daniela hadn't chosen to wear a red beret as she walked past the Harvard shirt shop at 9.53 a.m., then Jack's eye might not have been drawn to the sweep of red in his peripheral vision as Daniela slipped on the ice, causing Jack's aging Buick to move 15 inches to the right, which was just enough to miss the corner of Francesca's skidding Mercedes. Two people saved from a lot of pain. Every choice mattered. However, the extraordinary insight to be gained from these events is not what you think. It's not the fact that any small deviation in choices might have avoided the potential accident. The insight you should focus on is the extraordinary fact that every choice you make, no matter how small, has incredible impact on the world around you. Every day you make countless choices like the people in this story. Every one of those choices eventually affects thousands if not millions of people impacted by your actions and your very existence. You make a difference whether you want to or not. So goes the central idea for the Impact Manifesto. How we make the tiniest of choices in our lives and how those choices impact people around us. There will be lots of choices coming up before the Impact Manifesto turns into a powerful short film. There will be no ice. There will be no Harvard. (laughs) There will be no rock salt, no chemist. So many things will change because we're just getting started. When you take on a project like a short film, You think you have everything in store of what your central idea is, but the truth is you're just starting out. First it gets rewritten as we go to the screenplay. Then when you think you have it, actors, availability, locations, props even (laughs) come into play to determine how this story is going to end up in the final production. So the first step was to take this core of an idea, this core of a story, and to start putting it into a screenplay. So I got a formatting program to format a screenplay and started reading and studying about how to write screenplays. I put together the first draft and time kept going by. Starting in the fall, I thought for sure that I could film in the winter. Princeton University was close by, so I thought maybe I could get permission to film at Princeton, but the best laid plans of mice and men tend to go out the window. Coming up in the next episodes, how did we create the music? How did we select actors? How did that story change as life went on and changes happened? It's an exciting story, it's a fun story, and the results will not be what we expected. But along the way, magic happens. 
So if you're working on something right now and you have a dream, I hope that you'll keep at it. And I hope you'll stay tuned for the future episodes of this podcast as we explore not only the creating of the Impact Manifesto short film, but also the upcoming documentary film, The Impact Factor, and our feature narrative film. We're just at the start of this adventure, and you're coming along with us, so don't miss a thing. To subscribe to this podcast, please go to kenmacarthur.com forward slash iTunes, and be sure and leave a review and share it with your friends. It really makes a difference. The latest and greatest is always available at KenMacArthur.com. That's K-E-N-M-C-A-R-T-H-U-R dot com.